for joining us this morning. I really appreciate you being here. I know some of you had to overcome some challenges electrically. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you said this in the beginning of this service, but someone had texted him last night and said the church has power, and so they made their way to charge their phones and things because they're still without power. If you need a a generator, uh, I have an extra one, so if you need one after service, get with me and uh, I'll share my generator with you. Our our daughter and son-in-law and family stayed with us since Friday, and so it's been quite the thing. I love it. I love grandkids, and I love everything associated with it, so it's been pretty awesome. But we only went without power for about 12 hours, and by the grace of God, had a limb down and kind of kind of endured it. You're the survivors. I see this side of the balcony must be more devastated by the storm than everybody else. If you're joining us online and you're in Canada, I just want to explain to you, here in the Midwest, we had some serious thunderstorms, which knocked out a lot of the power in our area. We had one wave on Thursday night, and we've had another wave last night, and so we're just kind of conquering down or have hunkered down and crawling out of our our, our foxholes and getting back out in public again. The church just got internet last night about 9 o'clock. The Family Life Center was out until about 9 o'clock last night. So the daycare was operating without power over there. And I think we didn't get power here until like Friday here on the church building. So I had several people text me and say, hey, are we having church on Sunday? And just so you know, and if you're joining us online, we will always have church. And I'll let you know on Facebook and all the other social media outlets and all types of stuff if we aren't. Otherwise, just know we are going to have church unless there's a monsoon, a uh, foot-high blizzard, and or all the power and everything is out everywhere around our region. Because if we have power here, we're going to have church, whether we have internet or not. We had church before we had internet. Yeah. Thank you for that golf clap. I appreciate that. But, but I'm talking to the faithful that are here today. We're really thankful that you're here. Thankful that you're all right. And uh, thanks for being faithful to God. Now, today we are in our fourth week of our Daniel series. It's called Surrounded by Lions. And we're going to look at Daniel chapter 4 and 5 today. But, but as a reminder, I want you to realize that, that we... As we look at the book of Daniel, which I don't preach out of the Old Testament very often, but I felt like it was appropriate for what we're experiencing right now in our culture and in our world today, is how to live faithfully for God within a very godless culture. I think that's where we are. We're in a godless culture. That doesn't mean I hate America. I love America. I love the 4th of July. Uh, I, I'm glad that I, I, I was born in America. I exercised my, my right to vote. And at the same time, We live in a godless culture. And realize this, that the same spirit of Babylon that existed then is the same spirit of Babylon that exists today. In in one of the previous messages, I talked about the spirit of Babylon. It was from the very beginning of time. It will be till the very end of time in the book of Revelation. It always has existed, always will exist. But hear this. The spirit of God that lived within Daniel, that helped him live that distinct life is the same Spirit of God that lives within you today. If you're a Christian called by grace into a life of faith as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. 
Unlike the people of the Old Testament who didn't have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God only resided on who God chose. His prophets, his priests, his kings. Some, you know, some people, select people like Daniel, did the Spirit of God rest. It didn't. It wasn't universal as it is today for every Christian. Jesus promised that in John 17. And in review, Daniel is an illustration of how to live for God in a godless culture. But also, Nebuchadnezzar is an illustration of how God pursues human hearts. Now, I don't know if you have any Nebuchadnezzars in your life. I do. Their trampoline is in my yard right now. And I have a challenge with my Nebuchadnezzars in my life. I've had Nebuchadnezzars in ministry. Some of you have been my Nebuchadnezzar. I've had bad bosses in my life. And yes, I've spent 40 years in ministry. I've had bad bosses. They've been Nebuchadnezzars in my life. Haven't you? And last week we learned in Daniel chapter 3, there is no other God that saves like our God. And saying that, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, they're getting thrown into the fiery furnace. He said, they said, we will not bow down to your idol. Our God is able to say, but if not, and realize this, Christian, just because we do the formula and we respond like Daniel, winsomely, kindly, candidly to our Nebuchadnezzars in our life, maybe who have authority over our careers and our livelihood, it may not always turn out like that. In Hebrews 11, the the chapter of faith, remember, there were faithful that were sawn asunder, exiled, living in caves. And so it doesn't always happily ever after occur. I just want you to know that. But we are called to faithfulness. We are called to obedience in Christ. And hear this, for those Nebuchadnezzars in your life, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace or grasp. God can change people's hearts. And Jesus is knocking on the door of those Nebuchadnezzar hearts that you're associated with. And I want to encourage you and remind you of this. 1 John 4.4, 4. we've used this several times in this passage or in this series. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Never forget that, that our God is greater. Today, as we go to Daniel chapters 4 and 5, the main theme is this. It's, it's pride. And we're going to deal with two chapters, large pa- passage. We're going to go over it quickly, but we're going to deal with the main topic, which is pride. And God confronts the pride that is in our hearts. He does it every time. And we all wrestle with pride. I think it's the greatest sin. Obadiah 1.3, you might not have, uh, you know, might not be familiar with Obadiah, but Obadiah 1.3 says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. And then in Proverbs it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. C.S. Lewis says it this way, he says, pride leads to every other vice. I think that most of our relationship problems, most of the problems we have in this world 
are due to pride in some way. Abraham Lincoln, we should quote him on the 4th of July weekend, shouldn't we? He said, any man that can, can withstand adversity, but if you want to test his character, give him power. And you've got to understand, Nebuchadnezzar was a king, and we don't understand monarchies in, in America or as U.S. citizens. We just don't get it. Now, my Saudi Arabian buddies, they understand monarchy. Our, if you know anybody from Russia, even though it's not called a monarchy, it might as well be, they understand absolute power. We don't get it as much. But absolute power always absolutely corrupts. Daniel chapter 4, if you'll join me, verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name, you skip, then Daniel's whose name was Belshazzar, was amazed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a second dream that is in the book of Daniel. And in that second dream, he asks his astrologers, his magicians, his sorcerers, all of those people if they could interpret the dream. And lo and behold, it was only Daniel that could interpret it. And so Daniel's response is, O king, this is a terrible dream for you. He was concerned for the Nebuchadnezzar in his life. Now, are you as concerned about the Nebuchadnezzars in your life as Daniel was? Is this the way you feel about the Nebuchadnezzars in your life? Now, the Nebuchadnezzar that has the trampoline in my yard right now, I'm not so much compassionate or empathetic for. This is the second time that the trampoline's been in my yard. This time it's a total wreck. And I'm going to, out of the goodness of my heart, drag it back into their yard. Maybe you have a more severe Nebuchadnezzar in your life. A boss... A spouse, oh, I can't believe I said that, uh, a neighbor, someone who's making your life miserable, like a Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel, lo and behold, interprets the dream again. Now, Daniel is in his 70s or 80s at this time. And Nebuchadnezzar is still not getting it. All throughout the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar does not get it until he's pushed to this extreme level. In verses 20 through 22, this will give you an idea of this dream. It says, The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to the heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the beast of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived it is you O king who have grown and become strong your greatness has grown and, and reaches to heaven and your do dominion to the ends of the earth now Daniel saying the dream that you had about this tree was all about King Nebuchadnezzar but the tree 
falls down, much like the trees in our region just of this last week have fallen down. And this is amazing. And and Daniel is having compassion on King Nebuchadnezzar because he loved him, he cared about them, and, and, and wanted him to serve the Most High God, the God of all gods, the God in whom we serve. And, and this is a critical moment. And Daniel says this, Listen, king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass-like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High God rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. What Daniel is nicely saying is, you're in power because God wills it. And you will only be in power as long as God wills it. And here, here's what happened. And as it was commanded to, to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Again, God's going to demonstrate in Nebuchadnezzar's life that there is only one king of heaven And that's God. All the other kingdoms like he had in the original dream are going to be swept away like chaff in the wind. But only the kingdom of heaven will last. And here's what Daniel, he appeals to the Nebuchadnezzar in his life saying, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. Quit sinning, king. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. He was an oppressive king. Dangerous to get on this bad side. That there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Well that lengthening was only 12 months. Because Nebuchadnezzar just couldn't get it. Now 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says it this way. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should should reach repentance. There is a God who loves you with a crazy, reckless love. Who is calling and knocking on the heart's door of your life and wants you to receive him before it's too late. He is patient. Now, a year later, here's how King Nebuchadnezzar responds. And this, is, this, this makes me smile. This makes me smile. This is God at work. And, and he's still knocking on the door of Nebuchadnezzar's life. And this is a tinfoil on your head experience. Underwear on, on the outside of your clothes. Kind of crazy. In fact, there's a mental in, illness called banothropy. Which means like to be changed into ox-like appearance. And actually, there are hormones that occur that make your hair grow long as long as eagle's wings. Here's what, here's what happens. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Is this pride or not? 
And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time, we believe seven years of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Daniel's saying, God's saying, this is God's will. And immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Crazy like a loon. Crazy as an ox. And for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar existed like this. I don't understand it. I don't know how he could exist like that and survive and then the kingdom be restored to him. I don't get it. It's the grace of God. That's the only way I can figure it out. In verse 37 of this passage, it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, get this, praise and extol and honor the kingdom of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. I mean, how hard does that have to be for you to get it? Now, if you look in chapter 5 of Daniel, now we're going to see a different king. This is Belshazzar, not to be confused with Belshazzar, which was Daniel. This is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson we believe in fact scripture is people debate this whether Daniel was written 200 AD or 500 BC we believe it is and and one of the proofs is that they didn't think that Belshazzar even existed but archaeology again caught up with Bible history and proves Belshazzar exist existed and, it, and so they're parting like 539 B.C., which would be like, for, for some of you who are old enough to remember, like partying like 1999. Huge party going on in, in Babylon. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, it says, King Belshazzar made a great feast for the thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Now they were so drunk, they tasted the wine so much that, that they were at a point where they crossed over the line and Nebuchadnezzar didn't even do this. They took the sacred goblets of gold and silver out of, out of the treasury that had been taken out of the temple and they were drinking out of them. Even pagans didn't do that. That was scary crazy. And, and you know that you ever have a friend say, here, hold my beer. Nothing good comes after that. <laughs> that's when you say, stop. You laugh because you know that's true. <laughs> and or you've experienced it. So now I've gone from teaching to preaching and meddling. I feel good at this moment. Okay? Just so you know. Look at verse 5. This is what occurs. 
Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand, and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. Now, let me interpret that to, to you, literally. In, in the Aramaic, that he peed his pants. He was so afraid. I'm not making this up. That's the truth. He crossed that line. And he literally, I, I, he literally saw the hand of God right. I, I picture this like Adam's family where the thing, only the wrist and the hand. That's how I get that. And again, now Belshazzar doesn't know Daniel. Daniel's probably in his 70s or 80s. I just love it when, when old men, you know, that have been around for a while, that have done a good job, they get called back into service. Now, some people think Daniel was in assisted living or a nursing home. I don't think so. I think Daniel's retired and he's living it up in some resort, having the time of his life because he was a good, wise man. And the king said, and in fact, if you read this passage, the, the king's grandmother, Belshazzar's grandmother, uh, says, hey, there's this guy that interpreted dreams who was the king's right-hand man for Nebuchadnezzar. You need to call him because nobody else could tell him what the writing was. Go figure. So they call in this old 70-year-old guy. And Daniel, I love him because, I mean, he's over it. He's over it. I mean, he, he doesn't pull any punches. He tells the truth. He's, he's God's man. He's been faithful. There's reasons why that, that he can say this. And so this is how Belshazzar talks to Daniel. He says this in verse 16, chapter 5. He says, but, but I heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. I think he's reacting. I think Daniel's going to react like Forrest Gump did after he'd been to the president's Oval Office several times. And I got called into the president's office again. That's how Daniel had to feel. And this is how he addresses Dan, or Belshazzar. This is Daniel addressing this. Is verse 22 and 23. He says, And you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. Remember when your grandpa Nebuchadnezzar was uh, aluminum foil crazy and had his under, underpants outside his clothes? Remember that? You didn't get it. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house have, you have brought in before you and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and of gold and of bronze and of iron and wood and stone which do not see or hear or know but the God in whose hand is your breath and who are all your ways you have not honored. You do not get it. You drank wine for... <sighs> he just doesn't get it. And Daniel is over it at this time. He says, keep your, your purple and keep your third position. I've been there. I've done that. I don't want it. Just get it. 
And this is how Daniel interprets the dream in verse 24 through 30. And then, then from his presence the hand was sent and the writing was inscribed. And this is a writing that was inscribed. Mene, mene, tikkul, parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tikkul, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And then... Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him and he should be the third in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. Now understand something. Historically, that night, the Medes and the Persians, their armies were 50 miles from Babylon. And they think, some historians think, that Nabur-Dan which was Nebuchadnezzar's son, was leading that army and they were vanquished and they lost. And the Medes and the Persians had besieged all of Babylon and the walled city, but the Babylonians thought that that was an impenetrable, impenetrable wall. It was not. What the Medes and Persians had done at that moment, this is October 12th, 539 B.C., in case you want to celebrate it this year, it, what they had done is they had diverted the Euphrates River away from the city of Babylon because this, the water fed all of the city and they built it that way so that if they were besieged, they'd always have water. But they had done a civil engineering project and diverted the water and they came in through the Euphrates River and they killed and they took over Babylon that night. And... Belshazzar, King Belshazzar, knew all of this. And so you got to wonder, why were they partying? Was it eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die? Because that was happening at that time. Were they numbing out in denial what was going on? And they were thinking, oh, we're this mighty power. We're impenetrable. Was it pride again speaking? Today, I want to conclude this message with three questions for, for application. First question is that this. Is there anything that I am numbing out with? Is there anything that I'm numbing out with the reality and the blind spots in my life? The sin, the, the conflict, those things that are going on. And to follow up that question... What's going on under the surface in your heart? In other words, what's going on under the hood of your life that God is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you're ignoring and you're numbing out? Is there anything in your life that you're suppressing what's going on? And you're trying to keep God at a distance in your pride. There was a Jewish atheist philosopher, Ernst Becker, when all of us face our own mortality, we often turn to one of three things to console and to distract us. Three things. If you're writing, I can tell your heads go down when you're writing. The first one is reputation. What is my legacy? What will other people think about me? How can I protect my reputation? Second is romance or sex. Remember, sex, money, and power are typically where we get, we, we numb ourselves, romance. 
But believe it or not, there's a third, and it's religion. That if we just do all the right things, all the right ways, and and keep doing the same things over and over again that we always have done to serve God and earn our way, we can numb ourselves with religion. And we forget that God loves us as much as he ever will in this moment. And God loves us the least that he ever will with that reckless, crazy love. Saved by grace through faith. Jesus already paid the price for our sin. Question number two is this. What voices am I listening to? Obviously, Belshazzar did not have Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on his cabinet. He wasn't listening to solid, realistic, wise voices. There are people around you, maybe you have said, Hey, I don't know if you've thought about this. I don't know if you considered this. Hey, you might think about this. And they're speaking into your heart and life in a kind way. You need to listen to those voices. Because there's other voices that are noisy and crazy. That we need to turn down those other voices so that we can hear the voice of God. It could be all kinds of things that are drowning out his voice in our lives. And question number three is, am I aware of the hand of God in my life? We see the hand of God all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and New Testament. I see the hand of God in my life. I hope you see the hand of God in your life. And God is working, if you can hear the sound of my voice presently in this room or online or Whenever you listen to this uh, message or see this message on YouTube, that God is speaking to you right now, and his hand is upon you. And maybe he's not writing on the wall, but he is writing on your heart, and he wants you to hear what he's saying to you, because he's real and he still speaks to you. Through his spirit, through circumstance, through events, through other people. Hear his voice. Allow his hand to work in your life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, today's the day, now's the time. There's no better time than right now to experience his grace and his love and his salvation. Would you please stand with me as I close in prayer? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful that you still do your work through your spirit and through your people, through circumstance. Father, may we see your hand, may we hear your voice, may we stop numbing out, but that we would tune in and hear you and see you and know you. Father, we just ask that you would do your work, that your will would be done, that we'd be active participants in obedience and in faithfulness for you. And Father, we just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?